Hello there, welcome to this newest edition of this human-centered podcast called Value Vulnerability from the Listening Organization. Today, I'm really excited to introduce you to Donna Jones, who is the Chief Provocateur at Inside Out Consulting. I'm not going to give too much of an introduction to this one because I want you to delve deep and really digest and internalize this just fascinating conversation um to be honest unlike some of the other unlike many of the conversations i've had so far such a depth and breadth of insight that she shared with me today from her being homeless for nine years um through, you know, having to make a decision between putting five dollars in a car for fuel um for voluntary work or to buy a head of lettuce you know back in i believe it was 2011 through to someone that is working with looking at the macroeconomic situation with complex adaptive systems, helping agile organizations, really looking at the biggest possible challenges of, of society in the world. And I just, yeah, I just think, you know, if you think about global citizens, you know, Donna comes across to me as just the ultimate global citizen. And I was just really, really inspired to, and grateful that she spared this time with me uh, for, this, for this conversation. One thing I did just want to just share with you is that what's really interesting is that I've met, um, Donna in the last couple of months and she shared with me or I found a video from her uh, of hers on LinkedIn and I was so inspired and moved and interested in it that I shared it on LinkedIn and apparently it's had far a far bigger impact today in 2019 than when she first showed it two years ago and I think that in itself shows you as a measure the level of consciousness that's rising within ourselves as individuals certainly within leaders and uh, organizations and I think society at large so do enjoy this conversation. Um, I'm more than aware that I've babbled a little bit in this introduction, but I'm just going to leave that in there because that's how much this conversation and the amount of learning I took away from it, it's really left me significantly reflective as I, as I play back listening to this uh, really incredible podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I really would. I'm sure Donna would also really appreciate some feedback. Please do share it, good, bad and indifferent. It helps us grow. It helps us learn. And uh, yeah, looking forward to finding out what you think. Look forward to uh, hearing from you. Welcome to this human-centered podcast called Value Through Vulnerability, which is dedicated to helping put the human back into humanity. And today, I'm actually very, very excited to be welcoming Donna Jones, who is Chief Provocateur from Inside Out Consulting. Hello there, Donna. How are you? Hello, Gary. Thank you very much for having me on the program. Not excited. I'm so, so excited. So look, as we get going, would you mind taking a couple of minutes just to give our listeners a little bit more background? Who are you? What do you do for work? And what are you passionate about? Donna? All right. Well, I'll start with what I'm passionate about. And I think that's uh, the transformation of human consciousness at all levels, at personal, organizational, and global. And that's a th an important thread because it's the sort of one that when you're in a ditch, it helps you sort of look above the ditch and see see what it what, what you know how do I get out of this and what is it that that pulls me forward. Uh, I'm I'm probably a, a fairly ordinary person in, in a whole lot of ways, and the journey started. Uh, you know, I mean, professionally, I've been a professional facilitator working in a variety of conditions and a variety of sectors, and that takes you into the more murky stuff. You know, high end conflict, um, nice complex issues which are fascinating. 
And, but kind of tied to that in my upbringing was, was just living in nature's systems. My father was a cinematographer, uh, movie, wildlife. And, and that, when you're with the, you know, in nature side, you, 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 you know, seeing things through complex lens is really easy. It's a very unifying view. And so we don't have the tendency to take everything apart. Uh, when you go into an organization, you can see, or, or human, you can see patterns, you can see the openings. Um, which I call insights, seeing things slightly differently. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a lovely blend of where the personal path informs the professional and, and, uh, and the value that brings when we're in the middle of very challenging change right now, very, you know, an overall place where we really have to step up as human beings and be much more responsible and intentional about how we respond to what's around us. Oh, that's lovely. What I'd like to do before we get into more of your sort of day-to-day -day work, as it were, I'm always fascinated when I meet new people like yourself, uh, Donna, and you've done an English literature degree. So how does that get you into systems thinking and how all of these different layers of a uh, consciousness? Is, is, there, is there some parallel there from your, from your education? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> no, not really. Uh, no, I think that was a way of surviving university. I, I mean, I, I had the English lit, but I did the minimum I, I needed to do, and I trotted off to the Boreal Ecology classes and hung out and almost did my master's on, on um, uh, reclaiming oil sites, actually, from, you know, just the little animals, the little critters. So there was always a thread of staying connected to the ecological systems. And, and that stayed constant. I mean, my daughter, I was a single mom when my girl was a year and a half, and she became a surfer. So we're, we're out, and a photographer. And so I'm out there watching her surf. And, and, and as I'm watching her surf, you're, you're asking, what, what are the things you're learning out there? So I've had some fascinating conversations with people about the subtleties in currents in oceans and how you detect those. So in other words, almost anything you do is a place to learn and a place to develop that higher, more attunement to what's around us. doesn't matter what it is. So that, that really resonates with me because I think you, you come back to your word you used um, previously in your introduction around intentionality or being intentional. I think we're so used to, aren't we? I certainly think the last couple of generations of sleepwalking almost through life and waking up. I certainly did this for 20 plus years, uh, Donna, waking yeah. up 20 years later and going, what's just happened? I've been like striving for like a car, a nice house, the job title. Like, what does it all mean? Hang on, it means nothing. So why was I doing that? And like, so it's this consciousness thing you're working in, is it very much around that is actually trying to have people be awake as early as possible to make the most of that human experience almost to some extent? Very well said. That's exactly it. Uh, because we do have some big, complex, murky and messy issues. And, and we're watching uh, the political institutions and the educational ones not cope very well with them. They're just not equipped. They're, they're built on, you know, causality and linear thinking. And what we're, we're seeing in the world today is all entangled. It's all interconnected. It, you know, very much so. And, and I've seen, you know, cognitive arguments against that and, and presenting some sort of rational uh, re, uh, uh, rebuttal to that. But that's not how nature was designed. It's not how life it works. Uh, when you look at it through a wider, wider lens, you can see these interactions quite beautifully. And, and I think that informs everything. It informs our lives, personal lives, that it informs organizational life so I love that you hit that place and went what <laughs> because that's the place where you can pivot and and dive deep and and really be more true to yourself and more aligned with what uh, what you're all about and what you came for mm. it, actually I'd really like to explore that a bit with you actually if I may because yeah. 
that there's something, isn't there, this, this masks thing, this thing that people go into work, punch their card metaphorically at 9am, leave their soul at home for five days and go back home at five on a Friday and go, oh, it can be me again. You know, where, where, where do you feel systemically that's come from? How, is that, how, how have we evolved to that sort of uh, we, age state, do you think, for so long? Sorry. Yeah, great question. I think that came about because at some point we bought into the belief that we're cogs in this massive wheel. And, and, uh, and there's a resignation that goes with that. And I wouldn't even call it surrender because surrender would suggest some sort of acceptance and some sort of capacity to embrace that. But no, it's just, it's just a, a belief that, that in order to get by in the world, in order to get the things you need in the world, you've got to you know, sacrifice your soul and punch the clock and go in. That's, of course, that, that idea is, is um, dying and it's dying in the disengagement statistics loud and clear. So <laughs> well, this is the place where you can see people are going through, still going through the motions because perhaps they don't know how to step out of that. And that is where, of course, the theme of your, of this whole program go, comes back to the, the idea of there being, you know, breathing deeply and saying, you know, courage, let me step into something I, I'm completely not prepared for, not aware of what's, don't know what's going to happen next. So I think I think it really means breaking open that that uh, belief that this is the way life is supposed to be that you just you know suck it up and hit the clog. I think fortunately I think younger people are not as uh, uh, numb to that idea. There there's more openness there. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, at the same time, there's also some. I've met some 18-year-olds who think like 81-year-olds or 91-year-olds, you know, very traditional, stiff, rigid thinking. And we think, ooh, that's going to be tricky. So I think we're in a really exciting time from that point of view. And thank you, thank you for using that word, exciting. You know, we don't use anything of any sort of positivity in, in the sort of media, do we, at the moment? But I, I, I'm with you. I feel it is an ex I feel like... Um, I'm sorry to use this uh, analogy, but you know when you have a, a cut on your a scar on your hand, it's healing, almost like that scab part when your body's healing. I feel like we at societal level are scratching our skin going, oh, it's a bit, it doesn't feel right, it feels difficult, but we know it's going to heal after we've gone through that process. So I feel like we're almost at that scab. I know it's a bit of a gross example, Donna. But that's, what, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, my, that's my really sick metaphor for where we are. Does that resonate with you at all? <laughs> well, I mean, I think what you're referring to is an opportunity <laughs> to dive deep and, and, and see what's there. And, and it's, we had this conversation just chatting with somebody casually the other day because you run across people who sort of say, well, I'm afraid to dive deep. I mean, I've run into that with my own work because in order for us to really navigate these turbulent times with calm and with peace and, and with ease, you've got to dive deep. You can't just keep shuffling the pieces around on the surface of your life and hope that's, that's going to do it. So, but people sometimes say, well, gee, if I dive deep, I might meet a part of me I don't like, or I don't know what's there. You know, it's not predictable. It's not there. And, and you know, it's like, yes, of course, that's exactly the point. <laughs> you've got some aspect of yourself that you've been hiding from. Uh, don't just go find out, get to know it. Uh, I think Mary O'Hara DeVoe in a book called Navigating the Badlands back in 2004 sort of said, you know, knock on the door, invite the skeletons out, give them a good hug and find out who they are and what they're doing in there. So, and I think that's part of the, part, very much a part of this journey. It's just to, to, to kind of uncover these parts of you that can do so much more. There's so much potential that's you know, you're, we're scratching the surface of the potential at this point. 
And how, what sort of parallels are there for you between the sort of personal journeys that we're all on and the, call it the systemic journeys that we might say, because an organisation at the end of the day is made up of people, but we still make it this ethereal thing that's got its own mind, body, soul or whatever. You know, did you, did you see that people should be able to live and breathe their personal purpose in the workplace? Yeah, absolutely. There's no question in my mind. And, and I'm saying that knowing full well that I'm a terrible employee. <laughs> I don't think I could ever be, you know, fit into that context. So I admire people who can. I mean, my work is better done from the outside because I can hold a, a view of an objective view or a detached view of what's going on, but and therefore see those undercurrents. So, you know, from a personal point of view, when you start being able to observe the patterns in your life as you did in that beautiful pivot where you just went, you know, I'm just doing this every day. When you start seeing how that shows up in workplaces, then you can also start to begin to see what's driving that underneath the surface. And that's where you get at the system. So the majority of organizations still work on what we're seeing at the surface. Let's change people's behavior without actually appreciating that the behavior is being driven by a deeper set of beliefs inside the organizational mindset. And that's where you get the real, that's where you've got the real leverage in terms of, uh, of shifting things. So how do you go about, maybe just to share an example or, or, or two, how do you go about, if you're, if you're in a, a, let's say a more fear-based organization where leaders are, you know, they're still run by ego, they're still a little bit afraid of being vulnerable. Well, how would, how would you sort of try and get people to at least start on this journey? Donna in some ways. Oh, that's a super good question. And I mean, there's a, quite a few of us who work in the field or are sort of debating about whether it's even worth a try because, you know, in terms of the, <laughs> in terms of the spectrum, you've got the, you know, the inventors, the early adopters, the early majority, and then you've got the ones that are using the rotary phone as Simon Sinek put it one time. So it's, it's just like the ones that are using the rotary phone, you're probably going to need to just like, that's a big jump. It doesn't mean, though, that the people in that kind of organization cannot make the jump themselves. I mean, if you reach a place where you feel you're under so much pressure to do something different, it doesn't mean you have to stay in that, you know, oppressed, uh, pressure, pressure cooker of a situation. You can, you can get out of that. So I think that's where the call comes personally. And in fact, you know, one of the things I've been writing about and and talking about is, is using anxiety, seeing anxiety is in a, somewhat differently than we typically see it. I mean, we see anxiety as the precursor to depression. So if you have anxiety, well then, well, you know, well, that's, that, that's coming, that better get on the meds or, but what if we saw anxiety as a call, as a calling, if you will, to an opportunity to, to, to do something that is more central and more true to who you are as a person? And I think, you know, what you're referring to there, when people continue to operate as ego on their ego basis, it's a very suffocating place to be. Uh, and it's also not very free. It's not, it, there's not a lot of freedom in, in that uh, being slave to the ego that's always seeking approval. I think in its highest form, uh, ego is a, a highly trustworthy relationship with the self and with others. And I think that that's where the evolution of ego can take place and, and people can be inspired to kind of move from I need to control others in order to feel good about myself into feeling like I can actually express all of who I am and, and reclaim uh, a sense of self within, within, that, uh, within the context of, of my relationship with me and others. It's really helpful, this actually. Cause I love these conversations, uh, Donna, because at the moment I've got all these questions coming up. But it, it, 
so often, as you say, we're always training new behaviours. And I find it really interesting. I don't always stop myself to think, actually, what's that leader's beliefs about themselves that's stopping them stepping into this conversation or making them avoid having the conversation? Because as you say, it's not the behaviour. It's what they're telling themselves in the moment about themselves, ultimately, isn't it? That's the yep. barrier, I think. Yeah, certainly one of them. Uh, I mean, we, you know, in, in the course of doing t podcasting for 10 years, I've interviewed some pretty interesting people. And, and one of them was telling the story about innovation in Ford. Uh, and, and they were sort of asked to go out and innovate. But in the end, the, the, the subtext was as long as you didn't do anything different. And so when, when the different stuff came up, then whoa, it, it, it sort of went into a, a flash and uh, of, of conflict and it didn't need to be that because the minute you witness that in an organization you know that there's an undercurring belief system that's wreaking havoc and so if you want to innovate you actually have to stare at that belief system and it's showing up in everyday decisions but stare at the focus of that and then and then you know say do we is this really being helpful right now and this is where you can really get some stronger uh, faster pivots done in, at the deeper levels, both personally and organizationally. Would you, would you mind maybe sharing um, an example of maybe, maybe where you've taken a pivot in your life, um, Donna, in like, or, or maybe a, a more significant one? So I can imagine you doing them all the time. <laughs> but is there, is there a significant point in your life where you really had to make a significant pivot, just out of interest? Yeah, a, t a couple, I think. I'll give you one in the, uh, more on a, a overall trajectory scale, you know, uh, from a career point of view, but then also one from a what do you do when you're absolutely at the bottom of the pit and you need to bounce forward, as I call it? Uh, the first one was, you know, I, I raised my daughter till probably about high school, just almost the end of high school. I reached a point where I thought, okay, I'm fried. I'm just burnt out. I've been running like a mad person. And, and I'm also extremely energy sensitive. Didn't fully get the impact of that. And so what I hit that point where I, I couldn't do it anymore. I just had to, uh, and, and so my commitment to myself was, all right, I'm going to do, be more aligned. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do lead at a higher level. And, and the reason for that, the, the purpose of behind that is watching the ecological change, which because I can see the undercurring, you know, underlying dynamics and deep dynamics in, in not just self but organizations and in in the the world when you see those deep dynamics you realized or i realized that gosh we're we're not adapting fast enough as a species we're you know we're not doing this quickly enough so that was about 15 years ago i'd say and so i thought okay i'm my job now is to ship up to that higher level and of, of leadership and commit myself to supporting the evolution of humanity to a more expanded consciousness so that we could actually work with everything all at once instead of you know, one thing at a time. So that was my commitment. And of course, pretty much right after everything just tanked, you know, <laughs> I mean, everything. And I systematically lost uh, everything over a period of time. So it tests your conviction, no question. Uh, and, and there's no, you know, I mean, I'd be lying if I didn't say, you know, there was fear and, you know, moments of thinking about depression and I'd been there. So you sort of go, well, that didn't end well. So I don't think I'm going to resort to that. But at the same time, you can't, you have to sort of, you're aware of, of your state emotionally. And, and, and so my way around that was just to focus on what I was trying to do. And that's where I started podcasting. And, and I also found people who 
thought like I did, you know, in terms of being able to see interrelationships and work with them uh, organizationally and, and uh, personally. And so I found, I sought out a, a community and, and that's, that community has continued to grow globally. So I'm, I'm very grateful for that. Uh, so now I'll go to the one where <laughs> you're in the pit. <laughs> and, and because I lost everything, I included my home, uh, I was on the road for nine years. And the first part of, the, the, of that period of time, first of all, it's a shock because my belief system, the one I was raised on, says that when you work really hard, you will succeed. Well, <laughs> working my, my butt off, you know, for years, and I'd made it, you know, I just in terms like I had investments, I had, you know, the coveted RRSP, retirement savings, whatever they call it in, in the country that you're in. And I had all that stuff. And yet there was still this emptiness inside, this sense of, you know, so what? And so, <laughs> well, that all disappeared. So I didn't have to worry about that anymore. And finally, I'm down to a place where I'm, I'm staying in somebody's cabin in a remote spot which was fine. I like, I don't mind. I'm, solitude is a friend of mine. Um, and, and I'm staying there and I've got five bucks and I'm looking at the five dollars and I'm thinking, okay, I can either put gas in the car to go to do this volunteer professional thing I was in, or just to make me feel like I had some value, or I could take this five dollars and buy a head of lettuce with it. Hmm. What do I want to do? And, and it was one of those things where you're a little bit mad at the world, you're mad at the universe, and you feel like you're stuck in this spot, and it's really not any fun. And so, so then I had just been finishing watching the movie um, or the documentary series with Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman riding their motorcycles from the UK down to the southern tip of South Africa. I traveled through Africa both, twice, both as a teenager and then uh, at a later point. And so I, I knew this, these, the, the, the situation that they were riding in, um, a small village in Africa, and I forget what country it was in, but I'm thinking it was, you know, yeah, I'm not really sure, but it would be toward further south. And, and they had, the word in the village had been that they'd heard ahead of time that uh, the, the, these two guys were coming. And so they put little signs up on the road and invited them in for dinner. And both of them, they, they stopped their motorcycles, they drove in, it was completely off script, drove in, and these people in their mud huts had prepared them a meal of rice and whatever they had. And, and Ewan McGregor says, you know, at the time we knew that the meals we were eating meant somebody, at least one or two people did not eat that week, that they were feeding us food that, that um, they didn't really have. And yet they did it with such generosity, such grace, such joy, and that, that it was, it, the food tasted, whatever it was, it tasted even better because, because um, it, 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 was, uh, it was prepared with that spirit. And that's, I'm reading a bit more into that because I, I know what happens when you eat food that's not prepared with that kind of appreciation and, and energy. And so I thought, well, that's where, uh, this is the place where I just need to shift my perspective. I just need to switch how I'm seeing the situation that I'm in. And that's what I did. And then, then when you do it once, you gotta keep doing it because otherwise it won't stick. You can easily fall back. But every time I was in one of those situations where I could get really annoyed at the situation or myself for getting myself into the situation, I used that, that perspective shifting um, 
you know, way of getting out of it, of, of seeing it differently and being grateful for the experience, thinking that sooner or later it was going to be useful to, to somebody besides me. But yeah. And then of course the other day I'm on a neuroleadership Institute webinar and they happened to raise shifting perspective as part of, um, part of resilience and transformation. So I thought, well, that's handy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> been through that. So, yeah. So that's really, uh, those are two examples of, of, um, memorable moments, if you will, in the process where you're aware that you need to do something different and then you're, you, you use what you've got to do it differently. Yes. Thank you for sharing that. I re really appreciate that. This, uh, my crazy journey that I'm still on at the moment, Donna, since it's, it's uh, certainly since last, last year when I had this, like I say, this energy awakening, this, the summit, the Have Courage Summit that I've been, been working on the last couple of months. It's been incredible to me, and it's not confirmation bias, but it's incredible how much I've seen the conversation pointing back to the energy that you give out is what you get back. If you give off a positive energy, you generally get it back. You know, and it sounds too woo-woo, but more and more, I genuinely believe we're talking now because of part of that energy. You know, there's, it's... I might be sounding a bit wacky, but please, sort of, for anyone that's listening to us, feel free to challenge or add in or reinforce whatever you're thinking right now. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not wacky at all. It's it's actually, I think uh, you're going to hear Greg Braid and then a number of these other, um, you know, key educators in in the field of energy uh, speak about this these concepts. So there's no question about it. Yeah. So. So thank you for being part of that energy. That's very positive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, likewise. Thank you. <laughs> So there's, it's really interesting. I'd like to actually talk a little bit, again, with this podcast being about the very human-centered aspects of life. On, a, on one of your recent talks, something that's been really great, actually, I shared, that, shared your talk on, on LinkedIn a few days ago. And one of the comments you made, which is really powerful for me, and I'd like you to expand on it, if you will, is you said, emotions are our strongest ally in change. And I'd love, would you mind expanding on that a little bit? I think it's a really, really powerful statement. Yes, of course. Um, I, you know, I think what's funny about emotions is that people, in fact, I just was reading an article on Medium about a you know, a woman who's been uh, reported on how some of her male bosses had said, oh, you're too emotional. And, and, and then, you know, some of our political, some political leaders in the world today are being criticized because they base their decision on emotions. But that's how we're wired. I mean, it, it, in evolutionary psychology, in, in, we were wired to take, pay attention to what our environment was and then to respond accordingly. That's, that's where this sensory field we have is, is very much attuned to, am I safe or is it, can I grow? You know, I, I, what is the psychological, emotional, social safety in this environment that I'm in? And back in the day, in caveman day, it was around saber-toothed tigers and big things that might kill you or eat you. But now it, it's just playing out an overdose of fear that, that people just, you know, there's just this intense situation where we're always responding to fear. So, so the emotions then, if you understand how to, if you know that you're feeling anxious, you can use that anxiety to be more aligned with your purpose. You can use that anxiety to make the decision you made that you made just you know a year and a bit ago to do something different and th these are the you know the the openings where you can actually shift and become more more proficient with using your emotions more as a compass instead of as a, a you know something that we're trying to ignore because i mean biologically neurologically we are wired to use emotions and that's where the heart conversation the vagus nerve 
conversation between heart and mind comes in because you know the whole point was if i'm not safe get out fight you know fight <laughs> freeze flee uh, but the other opportunity is to go with the flow and that is to co-create and so this is where you know in terms of being aware of of what's going on emotionally you can avoid depression because you know you need to go out and reach connect you know reach out and connect with people uh, you you know you can connect with you need to connect with yourself and and what matters and where values you know what meaningful values you have so so emotions that are really the pointers to where you can do things that allow you to 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 be healthy and be at peace with what is absolutely challenging in terms of uh, the kinds of innovation that we're seeing and the disruption to daily lives, although that's not as evident in a lot of situations, unless you're in a climate, unless you're a climate refugee, for example, in some of these countries that are now under starting to go underwater. So, so it's, it's, this is, I think that's why I say that it's a compass. It's not something you demonize. Uh, if actually, if leaders were spending more time paying attention to the emotional, social health of the organization, they'd make a lot better decisions and they get timing right. Because a lot of times organizations don't manage to, 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 to accomplish the change because there's too much fear. It's like, you know, go forth and innovate, don't do anything wrong. And if you do something wrong, we'll punish you. That's just completely unsafe. So it's, it's what, you know, why would you do that? So it's, it's very simple from that standpoint. It's just you use, use your emotions for growth and, and the ones that are negative and challenging, use them also for growth. That's, just say, if so, I'm, I'm smiling on the other side of the screen, not people can see us doing that, because it's only been about the last four weeks, um, Donna, seriously, I've been saying to, saying to myself and other people, our emotions are just a data point. You know, there's yeah. nothing else, there's nothing associated, there's no meaning, it's just a data point in the moment. And you've just sort of, yeah, you brought that to life for me, so thank you, that's really, yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly it, and, and that's exactly what I was trying to say in that, uh, in that video that you kindly shared on LinkedIn, uh, when I was speaking with Agile People Sweden, it was, uh, it was very much around this data is there, use it. And when you've got it, when you can, you know, when you can learn how to read it, um, and then we've got as many men who are emotionally and energetically sensitive as we do women, uh, what we're doing to, learning to do is to read those environments more accurately, and then you can make way better decisions. Would you say then, going forward, you know, we're in this, you know, don't like to use terms too much, the VUCA world, you know, it is just fast paced, it's busy, everyone's 100 miles an hour. It's, it seems to me from our conversation today that emotions are actually the safety net to navigate this volatility and this complex adaptive system that we live in. You know, if we're not, if we're not actually talking to them and listening to them and dealing with them, then people are just going to get lost in the void, it seems to me. Exactly. And that, that's why they get anxious and where they get depressed and why we've got high suicide rates, um, particularly amongst men in the world. But, you know, equally, there's high suicide rates or high depression rates, at least amongst uh, both genders. So these are the places where if you're paying attention to those emotions, you can actually reclaim a lot of control in your life by knowing how to work with them instead of just sort of trying to ignore them, which means you're going to get hijacked sooner or later. And you see that in the early days when I started working in this area, you turn on, there'd be a YouTube video of some guy having an absolute meltdown in an airport. He'd just, you know, gone overboard with stress and he just, blah, he lost it. You know, that's 
an example of someone who it kind of set their emotions off in a different department because if he he had actually paid attention to how much anxiety and how much stress he was under he definitely would not have taken himself out with a serious major meltdown so it's a it is not just a navigational tool it's a tool for well-being and much better decision making and that's been established in the research so i'm not saying anything that's <laughs> shocking or anything it's there it's just it's not paid nobody pays attention to it it seems in some in particularly in some workplaces so I'm finding this quite quite a fascinating sort of um, paradigm at the moment. You, the example you give on emotion is a similar thing with diverse boards at the moment. People are talking about apparently there's so much evidence for you know, you know breaking groupthink, breaking silos, getting more diversity of thinking. Yet something else is holding that back happening. <laughs> you know the evidence is there. It's so much better performance of, of boards if they're more diverse. Yet we don't seem to be seeing that happening. Is, is it just all fear? Just all fear that's stopping some of this these progress. Well, I think it's two things. I think it's, yes, it's, there's fear of, you know, moving out of the comfort zone and trying on something else, but there's also a set of skills that go with that. Mm -hmm. and, and my premise is that certainly the skills I learned being homeless for, for that period of time and moving from being absolutely terrified most of the time to being more at peace with what showed up, uh, I think it's key to that. So the same skills that you use for navigating complexity are the ones you would also use when you're entering into more diverse uh, you know, team conditions where you, you're, you're not sure who these, you know, who everyone is. Um, and maybe there's a whole series of biases on top of that. That's where the gender bias and, you know, the 150 some odd cognitive biases that can make a mess out of things. Uh, pretty much all of which people are, even when they're aware of, can't control per se. So you have to design for that. Uh, but but I, think, I think that, that, that so it's, it's a set of skills, it's more advanced, it means being being more aware of what you're thinking and a lot of people believe absolutely everything they think and that's a bit dangerous because where's where's their room for new you know new perspectives a different way of seeing it for opening up the box and exploring more deeply um that's that i think you know i think that's really where the skill sets come in and, and to really start being able to advance the uh, consciousness skills that go with new territory. If, if you're going to pick sort of what from your work, um, what do you see as maybe the sort of the top one or two for anyone that's listening to us? I appreciate it's a, everything's a spectrum, but are there one or two key skills that you think are absolutely fundamental to, to, to sort of navigate this, this world, this more human world, this complex world that we're all in now, but may continue to so to continue at a pace. So that's sort of one or two that you think are absolutely fundamental. Uh, sure. And the first one is shifting perspective, just the one we already talked about early. So that one is one of those things where if I take myself out of this spot and I, the one I often used to use is I'm flying overhead like, like an eagle would or, and I see myself in context, what do I see? You know, and, and from that point of view, from that perspective, where, where do I want to steer myself next? So more often than not, when things go sideways, people think they're helpless. And there's a, you know, a sense of victimization. And uh, that opportunity is when you're in that place to use it to co-create, not survive. That's not good enough. We've been consuming the planet on the basis of surviving. But to use the conditions that we're in personally and organizationally and globally to co-create a better, something better out of it, to work with those conditions. So the second thing then is to accept what it is that's showing up. Um, there's some people have had car accidents or they've had certain things that have hit them hard 
and then they become victims right away instead of realizing that no that was probably an interruption that was needed there was a some sort of opportunity to to shift and do things differently you know what is it reflection on that what 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 might you do now differently that, than you wouldn't have, have done before? Uh, so, so that's the second, or one, you know, the second one. And, and the third one is to use conflict to advantage because I, I find that both adverse conditions and conflict have something similar. It's things are not happening the way we expected them to. There's uncertainty, there's, I can't predict it. I can't control it, you know, perfect. This is where you don't try to predict it. You don't try to control it, but you actually step into it to understand what's going on. So there's an empathic uh, opportunity, an, an opportunity here to expand empathy, but also to discover what is going, what is this tension about? And how can we use that tension more constructively? Because what people typically do, both personally and in organizations, is they thrive on the drama and don't actually learn from the conflict. So, you know, as you mentioned earlier, you go on a board with a diverse team, every single person on that team is going to be able to contribute something different. What might that be? So it's curiosity over condemnation or judgment or, or the easy ones, the easy outs, but to really breathe deeply and say, I'm going to ask you, you know, I'm going to go over to the, the kid that's tattooed from top to bottom and say, you know, who are you? And you know why? Are you, what, what what's important to you? Oh, this is this is really beautiful. <laughs> this is you, you, honestly, you get me thinking lots. I could I could keep you all day. Um, <laughs> the, the thing that's coming up for me actually, which is really interesting, despite us talking about how do you navigate a complex world, is, and I've seen this time and time again. It's actually getting present and actually stopping and not feeling guilty for that to have these conversations that actually helps us deal with the. The, the adaptive nature of life. And I just find that quite an interesting paradox. Yep, no, you've nailed it. That's exactly it, yeah. Because, you know, a lot of people live in the future as if it were today, but no, we're creating that with every decision. We're creating that with every, every moment that, that uh, presents itself. So to worry about the future, what's the point of that? So it's not to say don't look at the future, it, you know, have some sense of direction, have vision, for it. That's, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, don't project your fears into the future so that you can uh, be more afraid than you already are. I mean, I thought, how does that make sense? So, so it, it, it's exactly that, to be present and just sort of notice, you know, what's going on for me? How do I feel about this? And, and um, do I let myself freeze or do I work with the flow in the moment and just, just work with it and, uh, and see what shows up, both in me and in the circumstances? I love yeah. it. Just yeah. listening, getting present, curiosity, listening. You know, these are really like the fundamental building blocks of what we are and how we're going to navigate going forward, which I think is such a, such a, yeah, I'm excited by that. Really. <laughs> yep. And, and as, as we should be, because these, this is where the discoveries take place. You know, I think really what we are now is, is exploring new, new frontiers, new territories of human potential. Uh, particularly as it's being shaped by the, the conditions of the world today, which we actually created through a different level of consciousness. So now what we're attempting to do is to expand our consciousness so we can create something that's beneficial for, for ourselves and beneficial for 
nature and, and the world we live on the planet, the oasis in the galaxy, as somebody said the other day, I thought, oh, that's beautiful. But, you know, that's what we're here to do, I think. And we can use it, you know, we do it personally through whatever initiatives we have. We can do it in business by, you know, business participating in the regeneration of these natural systems that have been used for economic purposes by business just being socially responsible, responsible being the major word, and by looking at these complex issues in a, in a very different way, in the globally ones. So yeah, lots of, lots of excitement ahead and fun too, oh, and challenge. But like you said, that's where the growth edge comes in. The challenge, yep. the challenge is where the growth comes from. So no, that's, that, that's so exciting. I'm conscious of time. I really could keep you all day. And maybe, maybe there'll be a part two, um, Donna, if I can get, get sure. you at some point. There we are. Just putting it out there, just so everyone knows I can get you again. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that. That'd be fun. Awesome. As we start to wrap up, just a, sort of a, a bit of a random question, but I like to ask all my guests. Who or what is inspiring you the most right now? Oh... That's a good question. Um, I, I, you know, I think it's people that are being true to themselves, people like yourself who are sort of recognizing that running the routine and the hypnotic state is not having, that's not fun anymore. Uh, I love it when people like, like, for example, I did a podcast with these young entrepreneurs out of Afghanistan who are rebuilding the economy in Kabul using social entrepreneurship, that kind of courage is mind-blowing for me I just so I love following people that are intentionally pushing that edge and intentionally seeing you know what what if we do it differently and and yes you know like I'm looking at Kashmir uh, remote areas in Africa where where there's opportunity to do things so much different I think I think it's the citizen-led action around the world that just I find super exciting and inspiring that's amazing. I just want to reinforce for anyone that's listening. Can, do, you, do you just want to share the name of your podcasts again? Uh, the current, yeah, the current podcast is the Inspirational Insights from Insight to Action. So that's version two. Um, and I'm just thinking about maybe winding that one down or maybe just, I'm not doing it as regular as it was, is what I'm saying. And I'm looking to do one now on um, global change, citizen-led global change. Oh, amazing. The reason I wanted um, Donna to share that is because one of your previous episodes was brilliant, actually spoke about um, you know, some of the developments in, in, um, in the Middle East and Africa. And I was just blown away by, yeah, just the way you can even talk about change, you know, change, social change in Kashmir. You know, so many of us, including me, you know, my consciousness doesn't reach that far. So to have people like you having those conversations and bringing it to at least 200 people on this podcast, I think is so, so powerful because we are all connected. I genuinely, genuinely feel that. But if we're not having these conversations, we can feel quite isolated. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I think that's the opportunity is to be, you know, is to reach out, even if it's vicariously, to understand what are people experiencing, what's going on, because the, the kind of issues we're seeing on immigration or not, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. We live on one planet. And, and so if we can't figure out how to do that well, then I'm not, you know, I have big question marks around civilization. So I think this is where we have lots, lots of inspiration and, and lots of places to go to walk into those someone else's shoes and see the world through that, through their eyes and to learn from them and to, and to really restore hope. Love that. Well, what a lovely way to finish. Would you mind letting the listeners know if they want to reach out to you or you know, contact you for work or, or any other purposes, what's the best way to find you? 
Uh, best way to find me is on From Insight to Action. I know the website is being redesigned, so I don't know what shape it'll be in by the time you get there, but it's frominsighttoaction.com. I'll be doing a two-day workshop for SEGECA in Belgium uh, on the messy middle of organizational transformation at the end of April. And of course, you know, I do the speaking and workshops and skill development that you would expect for from based on the conversation we just had. So yeah, so that's how to best reach me. And of course, I'm on Twitter and um, LinkedIn. And uh, so it's D-A-W-N-A -A Jones, by the way, so not spelt the ordinary way. Yeah, thank you very much, Gary. Love it. Not at all. Well, no, I really appreciate your time for today. It's been an absolutely fantastic conversation. I'll make sure of those details in the show notes. Thank you. Appreciate Have it. Great day. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Hi there, just Gary Turney, your Value Through Vulnerability podcast host here, just wrapping up this incredible conversation with uh, Donna Jones. I've got so many takeaways, really so many takeaways from this. But before I go into those, I'd just like to make any of you listeners aware that should you subscribe to the listeningorganization.co.uk or haveCourageOneWord.co.uk, you will receive seven free interviews from the likes of Claude Silver, Laurie Ruterman, Richard Gerber, Tracy Fenton, Kimberly Davis, and a couple of other ones, all completely for free from the recent Have Courage Summit. And it'd just be great to uh, connect with you and learn more about you. And so please do register, sign up at either of those locations. It'd be great to connect with you further. Back to my reflections on this particular podcast. What I found really, really fascinating was this comment that Donna made regarding cognitive arguments do not counter how nature was designed. I think that very simple statement summarizes an awful lot of our challenges right now. There's a lot of talk about the old mechanistic, out-of-date industrial revolution compared to where we are now with the technological advancements that have been made. But it's an interesting point, isn't it? It's almost as if we got away with not needing to be aligned with nature. That's why we've raped the planet of so many of its resources and how we continue to do so. It's because we got ourselves into a mindset, we reduced our level of consciousness such that we believed that we were superior or different to nature. But of course, we all come from nature. And I just find that a really, really powerful comment. I also really enjoyed hearing Donna talk about the fact that use your emotion as a compass rather than something to ignore. And I think, you know, if I look back to my own journey, you know, many people it might be the first time you've listened, but for those that are regular listeners, you know, I speak openly, vulnerably about my journey through bullying, uh, through self-harming, through uh, mental health challenge. But at the time, I didn't use any of those emotions as something, as a compass. I didn't see them as telling me where my mind was at in the moment. What I saw them as was something to ignore, something to bury, something not to communicate or talk about because I felt shame. So it's really, really interesting. Use your emotions as a compass. I think such, such a strong message. If that resonates with you, please do let me know. You know send me an email, get in contact with Donna and let, let her know. I also think this, this is such an important point. When you're looking at navigating complexity and the volatility that we have, and that's going to continue, you know, we, you know change is normal. I don't, know, I don't know who it was that suddenly thought that we needed change management as a special topic. You know, we are always changing in the moment all of the time. So it's really interesting for me that she speaks about people being afraid to dive deep to navigate that complexity and volatility. And, you know, and a lot of it, and this is one of my big reflections, was we might meet a part of us that we don't like. And I think this is 
partly what we're looking at with the macroeconomic political systems right now. So yes, there's polarization in terms of fear and whether people feel safe, whether they want to go and sit, just to feel they're part of something. But I wonder if it's more than that. I wonder if it's actually, it's not actually the fact of if they're left, right, or, or wherever. It's actually, if they don't feel with they're with a tribe, no matter how extreme, they've then got to look inside themselves to see what's actually they've been covering up for so long. So yeah, really, really fascinating that for me. Um, one other comment I want to make, well, actually just, just two other ones. And I, I'm not going to apologize for taking a bit longer with these uh, reflections. It's been such a rich conversation. Seeing anxiety as a precursor to, to, to depression is part of the problem. What if we saw anxiety as a calling to an opportunity that is more central and true to who we are as a purpose, uh, as a person, sorry. Just hold that thought for a second. What if anxiety is just a data point? <clears throat> Excuse me, I know this to be true. I know that my, when I went bang back in the middle of 2016, I went bang because there was something bigger for me to doing. There was, it was me telling me, why am I pushing water up a hill? Why do you keep on fighting to try and make a difference in a particular role where clearly the organization and yourself don't want to be making that, um, that difference? You know, if we believe that the outside world causes us to feel a certain way, we are going to get anxious, we are going to get depressed, we are going to burn out. If we realize that it's our personal views inside out that project, as Donna was pointing to as well, we suddenly have a lot more control and by getting present, we can access far more of ourselves and, tap and, and take ourselves on the journey where we want to be going. So yeah, it's going to be difficult for some people with mental health challenges. It's going to be difficult for those with anxiety to accept. But I think Donna's absolutely right. And I speak from experience. You know, we, we don't need to suffer. It's, it's going to be hard, but we choose to suffer because we're not dealing with root causes or we're not stepping up to make the difference that we think we could be making. So I appreciate that maybe a little bit antagonistic. People may find that difficult, but let's have a conversation about it. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying Donna's right. But from personal experience, I believe that this is true and it's true for me. So let's have a conversation about it. Let's uh, get that one on the table. My final point I'd like to, to reflect on is to go with the flow equals to co-create. We've all been in those flow states. You know, if we can be in that flow state more often, that present space where we just access that, we allow our mind to be free without judgment, without fear. We are able to co-create with each other and for ourselves far, far easier. So this, this has been a mind-blowing, sublime uh, podcast conversation for me. Again, challenge me, share your thoughts with me, give feedback to me. It's also the same with Donna as well. Reach out to her via the different mediums you will find in the show notes. Fascinating character. So, so blessed that she's uh, been able to join me on this podcast. And I'm really looking forward to hearing from you. So until next time, have a fantastic day, evening or morning, wherever you are in the world. And I'm Gary Turner. I'm on Gary Turner Zero with two R's on Twitter or find me on LinkedIn. And again, via thelisteningorganisation.co.uk, please do subscribe and you'll get those seven free interviews. Take care for now. Bye.